Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 61. Welcome to the Secrets to Real Estate Investing podcast by House Flip Masters, where you will learn powerful strategies from top experts in real estate investing, and you will find valuable information to take your investments to the next level. Now, here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Well, hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing by House Flip Masters. I'm Holly McCann and I am solo today. I decided it was time that I did a podcast by myself because I've just been bursting with information that I want to share with you, my listeners, some of the experiences I've had recently as a fix and flip real estate investor. I won't share the experience as a landlord today, but I've had some of those too. <laughs> um, yes, isn't that fun when one tenant is threatening the other tenant's lives and they're married? Anyway, that's another show. So today we're gonna talk about meeting with sellers. I've actually met with three sellers in the last couple of weeks, which is very unusual for me. Those of you that know me know that I am a huge fan of networking and I've bought over 100 houses without any marketing money, without any direct marketing. That's all through meeting with people, networking, getting realtors to bring me deals, and sometimes wholesalers. Now, in the last few weeks, though, I've had opportunities to meet with sellers, and that has brought to the forefront of my mind that I would love to share some of the tips tips, tricks, and strategies that I've used to um, get some good deals lately. And a time where I didn't get a deal, but I think it's still a positive outcome. So gonna just dive right in. There's a few key points I'm gonna share today. And I wanna start with point number one, which is, you know, should go without saying, but um, it can be challenging for me too, but to be on time, I'm sometimes not on time because I'm doing too many things at once, not because I'm laying around watching TV or messing around. It's because I'm trying to do three more things before I get at the door. But be on time, not early, not late, but on time because it just shows that you are a woman or man of your word and it builds trust. You need to be building trust from your first interaction with your seller. You, this is a very big deal to them, um, often the biggest deal of their entire life. The biggest decision, the biggest transaction could be of their whole life. And they need to trust you. They need to know you're gonna do what you say you're gonna do and that you will follow through and honor your word. So being on time is the first thing that you need to do. And dress nicely. I recommend that people dress kind of, you know, business casual. You don't have to wear a suit, but dress um, to show that this person is important to you. Don't show up in stained or tattered clothes or flip-flops. Just make it seem that this person was important enough that you dressed nicely, professionally, you groomed yourself, and you're taking this seriously. I mean, it should be a good deal to you because you want to buy this person's house from them. Um, my next tip for you is to listen more than you talk. Get them to talk about themselves and their house. It will give you lots of clues to things that you can use when you are encouraging them to sell the home to you, as well as get them just to like you. People 
like other people that care about them and listen to them. So show a genuine interest in them. And um, I remember learning this from Bruce Norris, who is a experienced real estate guru in Southern California where I am. And he's taught at the classes I've been to how important it is when he would walk around houses with people, he would look for something in their home that would allow him to build rapport with them, whether it was you know, a degree from a university that he could bring up and compliment them on, or a certain sports team, or maybe they were into hunting and fishing. He would compliment them on the things in their home and ask them to talk about them more, which just gets the people to like him even more. Bruce is a master at building rapport. I really admire him for that. He has a genuine concern for people and for sellers, and it just shone through with how he interacted with them. I remember in a book I read years ago, should reread it, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. One of the chapters in there talks about this specific technique of listening more than you talk. And there's a story that he relates in there of a woman who just talked and talked and talked and talked to this man. I think it was at a party. He never really said anything. But at the end of the night, she was talking about him and what a great friend he was and what a fantastic person he was. And she liked him so much when she didn't know anything about him. She just knew that he was a great listener because he just listened and listened and listened to her. So that's a great way to get people to like you and trust you. It's important that you ask your seller what they want. What is important to them? What are, where are they going next? Do they need help? Uh, I remember one particular seller, I lined up some effectively laborers to come help them pack their moving truck. She said, oh, I don't know any guys that can help me move all this stuff out of my house into a truck. So I called one of my contractors and he lined up you know, some guys to go over there and work for, you know, 15 bucks an hour or something. And that was really helpful to them. And she really appreciated that because she didn't know how she was going to, you know, get some work, get some guys to come help her load her truck. So it's important to listen to what they need. Maybe it's a piano mover for their special piano. Maybe, um, you know, it can be all kinds of things, you know, helping find a place for a pet. Just listen to what they need, ask them what's stressing them out, what, you know, what's their big concerns, and see how you can be of service to help them with that. Uh, also, it's very important to have and express a genuine desire to help these people. They are going to feel and know if you're coming in and you're just sharp and you're just going to take, take, take and take advantage of them. And, oh, you're lucky I'm buying your house. You know, that is not going to make them feel good and trust you and be happy to go through with it. If they can feel your genuine concern for them and desire to help them and you're trying to create a win-win situation, they're going to be a lot more excited to do business with you. And frequently, sellers are calling multiple people. I just met with a seller this week, and she said, or last week, and this week, saw the house last week, made an offer just a few days ago. And she said, well, I've called three people like you. I want to get three quotes. I want to get three bids. You know, and that's what people hear is to get three estimates from contractors, to get three quotes for things. And that's what she was doing. So 
I had competition. I knew that I had to um, step it up and really endear myself to this sweet grandma lady and was hoping that she would pick me. Now, how that came out was um, she said she's probably not going to sell it at a discount to an investor that she thinks she will sell it through a realtor. So, of course, I'm still trying to get her listing and offering to help her and, and befriend her and, oh, who else can I call for you and help you with your estimates? Just let your true concern for people shine through. They'll feel it and you will have much more success as a real estate investor. Of course, at the end of your meeting, you'd love to have a signed deal. I bring usually like four copies of my one-page contract, have some backups in case we mess up, and uh, I try to fill it out in duplicate. So I fill it out twice unless I happen to have a copy machine so they can have a copy of it and I can have a copy of it. We both want to have... Um, copies of it and it just builds that level of trust they know that you're you know not out to take advantage we're not running off with the contract and they don't know when they're going to next hear from you or talk to you so leave them with a copy of the contract and that will um, definitely go towards building that trust with you I want to share with you a few different examples of where I met with sellers um, one of them was from a year ago and I got the call from a gentleman in my real estate office. He's a realtor, and yet he knows me also as a fix and flip investor. He called me and said, Holly, I got this listing. It was in Anaheim Hills, California, and these people won't let anyone in to see the house, but they want to sell it, and it's a hoarder house, and it's got lots of problems. Can you help me? Will you come check it out and give me an offer for them? Of course, I was delighted to. The sellers trusted my friend Hector. So Hector, the agent, brought me in. And even though it was listed in the MLS, it was on hold. They were getting lots of calls from investors because there were a few photos in it. And um, other investors probably would have paid more than me. They knew they had to compete. We're in a very competitive market, meaning people are paying a lot higher prices for fixer-upper houses than they were three years ago, five years ago. Hector got me in to meet with the seller and her daughter. The seller was about 70 years old, and the daughter really hard for me to guess because they had both um, used drugs a lot. So the daughter was missing some teeth, as was the mom, and her skin looked much older than she probably was, but maybe she was in her 30s, hard to tell. And the two, he introduced me to the two of them. The daughter definitely liked me and trusted me more than the mom, even though I was complimenting their little chihuahuas and complimenting you know, certain things in their house. And it's a fine line. You can't say, wow, your house is amazing and awesome because you know, they're going to know that you're lying when it's in a sad state of disrepair. But you know, I complimented certain things in their home. Wow, those are beautiful chandeliers. And oh, your dogs are so cute, which they were. And just find ways that you can compliment things in the house that will come across as genuine and also that won't cause them to want to ask more money for the house too, of course. And the chandeliers that were so nice, um, I think they're antiques, they ended up taking them with them and they were concerned about, that. hey, can we take our chandeliers? I said, sure. They didn't exactly fit with the decor that I planned to use in 
the flip and the renovation anyway. So it helped me. Yes, take it. Then I don't have to figure out what to do with them. I was happy. Throughout the course of our transaction, it was really hard to interact with them because they were very low on funds. And I'd offered them cash of about, I think it was about $50,000. And I took over an existing mortgage. Um, The mother had ruined her credit from lots of things. And so she didn't really need that mortgage. She let me keep the mortgage in place on the property while I fixed the home and then we sold it. So the total length of time ended up being about five months. And the best part of that deal was it was a reverse mortgage. And a reverse mortgage, as some of you may know, does not have payments on it. So it was very nice not to have a payment for that project as I was already spending lots of money on construction and renovation. But back to the seller meeting, the the mom at one point had even said, don't let Holly come back here or I'm going to kill her. I mean, she was a little bit crazy and it was probably more of the drugs talking than her because she seemed to like me when I first met her. But the daughter is the one that I had the rapport with and kept in contact with and we got the whole thing finally closed. It took him a few weeks to move out, but it was very important that I was always nice and kind when um, the daughter had doubts and she tried to negotiate me up later from our original price. I said, I'm sorry, I can't afford that. I have investors that I'm accountable to and I would be losing money if I you know, kept up being the price, but I stand by my original offer and you can have your you know, $50,000 in a few days. And I did close in something like three days, even with an HOA, which those of you that have bought and sold houses in HOAs know that you have to get condo docs and have the condo association um, do everything they need to with their payoff demand from the prior owner and then get all my information in as a new owner. Take some time, but we pulled it off. We did it really fast. And my sellers were very pleased. They got their cash and I probably should have done a hold back until they got all of their things, including themselves out because it took a couple of weeks and I was getting really nervous. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I'm going to be stuck with squatters in this house. But they did move. Interestingly enough, they were, they had their moving truck and they were going to Arizona by way of Seattle. Just to let you know, that's kind of how their brains were working at the time. I know, interesting. <laughs> you just get lots of entertaining stories in this business, that's for sure. I want to share another story of a seller I met with a few weeks ago. And this gentleman was brought to me through another realtor. She knew I did fix and flip investing and this house he owns in Orange County, it's going to need a lot of, you know, repairs and improvements. It's probably an original condition from 40 years ago, including a pool that needed replastering. It's going to be expensive to repair. This gentleman is so, he's an older guy and he's so I just want to say cute he's so concerned for me he even called me a few days ago being all nervous about this because we're just an escrow now I haven't closed he's getting his belongings out of the house while his relative you know still living there she's supposed to be out by the end of July and then he's giving himself a couple of weeks to get his belongings out there that have been there for years because this was the home that he owned 
many years ago. He hasn't lived there for probably 10 to 15 years. And he says, Holly, I'm just really concerned that you're going to make money on this. I don't know how you can make money. And I was just laughing. It was funny. I'm like, it's okay. I have really great contractors and good deals, so I'll be able to do it. He, in his mind, had calculated a rehab budget for a house that's about 1,500 square feet with a pool of $180,000, which you could spend that much, I'm sure, if you paid top dollar to every contractor around, but I can do it for less than that, obviously. And, you know, I'm hoping it will be, you know, well under 80 grand. And but 80 grand is kind of my top line budget since there's a pool and we've got to scrape the popcorn ceilings and, you know, completely gut the house, new kitchen, new bathrooms, all of that. But it was just funny that he seemed to like me so much that he's concerned that, um, that I'm going to still be able to make money. And I've offered to let him come and watch the process with the contractors because he wanted to. I'm like, okay, fine. You can go babysit the contractor. I'm fine with that. I'd like to not to be babysitting them. Not that I usually do that anyway. But his um, concern was he wanted to have enough time to get his belongings out. That was kind of his hot button. And he also was willing to leave the mortgage in place, which lets me leave a higher offer with him. So I don't have hard money loan costs. I am using the bank loan. I'm putting $50,000 down on a $535,000 purchase. And um, that leaves four eighty-five dollars that will pay off at the end. I'm going to be making payments on the first. And he offered to be making payments on the second. And that's just working just great. So I'm like, okay, if he's offering that, I'll take it. It's just great to ask what they want. I was quiet and offered to him, so what, what would you like to see happen? And he's the one that offered that he would keep making payments on the second, and I would just do the first. Uh, very sweet man, and it's also important, I would say, to continue communication while you're in escrow, as he did get nervous once when he hadn't heard from me for a few days, and I've had to go to... I guess I'm on my third escrow company going directly to a title company to facilitate this transaction because the first two, when I talked about taking titles subject to existing loans, they're like, what, what are you talking about? I've done these kind of transactions many times with an escrow company in the area I used to live in, but not down in South Orange County where I am now. So I'm still working through getting into escrow. But meanwhile, he was very concerned and just wanted to have that communication. So if your seller wants communication, make sure you're giving it to them. Very important point and lesson learned by me. I'm like, oh, please don't be concerned. Just call me whenever you want. And I try to make myself available to take his calls if and when he calls. I want to tell you about another seller I met with just last night. I don't know that anything can be made of this deal uh, just because of the numbers. This lady has a condo in San Clemente, California, and it's a nice new condo built in 2005. The renovations it needs really are just paint and carpet. Her carpet has been shredded by animals in multiple spots, so you can't even clean it. And it's 1,600 square feet, so it's going to be like really affordable to renovate. She's in a position where she's getting um, going to auction 
in just four weeks, maybe three weeks now. And a realtor brought the deal to me. Holly, can you do this? Maybe you take over the loan. You know, what, what can you do? So I met with her and she was adamant. You know, this last night we met, I need $5,000. I'm not, I'm not doing anything unless I get these 5,000. And I told her as much as I would love to give that to you. So far, it doesn't look like I can do that. Her loan that was $485,000 now has another $50,000 almost in fees and penalties and lawyer fees for the foreclosure that they're going through. That puts her balance up to $532,000. And the realtor wants $2,000. She wants $5,000. So up to $540,000. I just learned the HOA that I thought was $2,500 per a title report is actually $8,000 behind because once again, lawyer fees, collection fees, all of that. So I think that puts me up to $548,000. I think that house might be worth $560,000. And there's just no deal there in this situation. But the benefit of me meeting with her is I got to demonstrate to this realtor that I am as I would say, a player. I'm ready to do deals. Maybe if this doesn't work out, he'll bring me another one. He saw me interact with his client, which I'm assuming he thought was professional, courteous, and kind. He could see, you know, my true concern for her and my genuineness with her. I mean, I just flat out told her, I would love to help you, but I can't help you and hurt myself at the same time. If we can find some way to do this and negotiate down HOA fees, negotiate down the lawyer fees with the bank and find some way to help you, I would love to. But at this point, as the way it stands, you know, I just can't. And another point I would make is if this was going to be a long drive for you to do a meeting like this, that it didn't look like it was a deal, I would recommend against that. And by the way, some of these higher numbers of how much she owed, like the HOA dues, changed and got worse after I got to the meeting. And of course, I was asking, can I please see a current uh, mortgage statement? Can I please see the document that shows how much your HOA is behind? I asked for the documentation. I'm not just going to go off verbal, you know, verbal whatever. I can't think of the word here. <laughs> I, I can't just go off her words saying, oh, it's $8,000. I need to see written documentation of that. Uh, I don't regret going to the meeting. It was only a 15-minute drive from my house, and it built a relationship with a realtor who hopefully will call me next time he has an opportunity for me to help someone else and fix and flip a house for myself as well. So don't think that every meeting you do is a waste of time. And if nothing else, it's a learning opportunity and opportunity for you to sharpen your skills and get even better. And, you know, who knows? Maybe this lady will remember me as a realtor and maybe I can help her in a realtor capacity if her other realtor is ever not available or leaves the area or retires. So there's just a few examples of sellers I've met with recently and my kind of take on them, evaluation of them. I did get my one deal with the gentleman. I'm still, you know, have another couple potential ones of this last few weeks and I'd love more. So if you're in Southern California and you have deals to sell in Southern California, please call me. I would love to buy some houses. I'm ready to buy. Uh, just as we wrap up here today, I want to remind you to text hardhat, all one word, 
hard hat to the number 38470 to get this week's download and all of our other downloads. I'm preparing a download of my top tips to meet with sellers, and I know that can really help you in your meetings um, as you go to try and buy homes from people. So text the word hard hat, no spaces, to the number 38470. That's 38470. And I'll shoot you out a text reminder once a week of when our podcast is going live. You can also get our download at hardhatholly.com forward slash 61. So that's hardhatholly.com forward slash 61. You can get your download there and you can listen to the podcast right there or listen to it, of course, on your favorite podcast player and iTunes. I would love and appreciate so much, my listeners, if you would please um, leave me a rating and review of the podcast. That helps other people find us because iTunes will push us up in um, the search as people are looking for real estate podcasts. So please go give me a rating and review for the podcast podcast so others can help find me and be helped by all the people that I bring to the show to help you have greater success in your real estate investing ventures. One more thing, I want to remind you to go to Facebook and go join our networking group there, which is Hard Hat Holly's Real Estate Investing Team. So if you've got your phone, go log on to Facebook and check out Hard Hat Holly's Real Estate Investing Team. And we can network in there, share ideas and tips and strategies, ask for help. I'm in there giving advice and help and would love to help you there. You guys can um, send deals to each other. Maybe you'll find business partners. As you know, I'm a huge fan of networking. So come join my networking group. Would love to see you have success through that. Thank you so much for listening. And with that, I wish you huge success. Thanks for listening. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. You can find our show notes at our website, houseflipmasters.com on the podcast page. Also, to get our top tips for finding deals without spending lots of money, go to houseflipmasters.com for your free download today.